0: Welcome back to the Ask Different Podcast. I'm Kyle Cronin. I'm Jason Solis. And I'm Nathan Greenstein. And this is episode number nine, recorded August 3rd, 2011. And it has been over a month since our last episode. We had
1: our uh, summer sabbatical.
0: Yeah, we really, what we we needed to do was, uh, when we had first started, there were some things that we had uh, just gone with, and we had sort of assumed that over time, we'd sort of figure out how to streamline the process, and it, it wasn't happening. So, <laughs> uh, we've got we've got a few uh, things to uh, make the process of actually producing and, and ed- editing the podcast a bit less painful. So, hopefully, we'll be able to get these out uh, <laughs> on a regular schedule from now on. Although we we've also decided that uh, once a week and and like an hour and a half show was just a little too long for everyone. So, we're going to really try to stick these close to an hour, and we're going to probably do one every other week or so that's what we're currently thinking Uh, unless there's something big that happens in the apple world obviously if something big happens we'll we'll do a
1: podcast special edition then like the often rumored ipad 3 or the iphone 5 or whatever those products turn out to be going forward
0: yeah exactly um we'll we'll definitely do one after the september event whatever it is whatever it involves basically we we were just exhausting ourselves doing the entire podcast so this is you know we we decided to take a step back and try to make it a little less hectic on ourselves and 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 yeah so (laughs) actually a lot of stuff has happened since we went off the air basically the big two things are google plus and uh, mac os 10 lion and uh do we want to just briefly start a google plus before we go on to lion sure
1: we got on google plus pretty quickly i believe it was less than a week or two into when the the actual uh restricted invites went out meaning that it wasn't enough to just have a google account you actually had to get an invite to somebody else who had got it by what means whatever means we enjoyed hangouts thoroughly we had a couple amongst ourselves and amongst our friends and it was a uh it's definitely quite a different scene of something when we're used to having much less interaction with uh, as many parties certainly the fact that you can have up to 10 was quite was quite a different shift to make when doing something like that thankfully the plugin for doing so was either light or the, the install is very light or non-existent if you've already upgraded if you've already installed it for the video chat from within the gmail interface
2: And beyond that, the social uh, posting and reading posts and plus one-ing posts is fairly similar to Facebook, but they've got a few small key changes that I think really make it more interesting for me, and I think... The, the main ones there are selective following, so I can kind of choose who to pay attention to and who I want to broadcast things to, and I've already played around with the feature I was most interested in, which is blocking people and muting people, so that I can not offend people by refusing to put them in my circles, but I can not have to listen to them talk about Justin Bieber. And <laughs> and that's been great. It works really well. And uh, when you when you block someone, Google Plus gives you a nice little message that says you won't receive their posts, and they'll be added to your blocked circle. You can always unblock them later. They won't be notified that you've blocked them. So they're, they're trying to kind of minimize the offensiveness of blocking someone, and I found it works pretty well.
0: I can understand why you'd want to block someone, um, but personally, what I'll do is, you know, sometimes I'll get an indication, oh, so-and-so is added you to their circle so i go and check out their page and it's like well are they like a local person and if the answer is no it's like okay well you know who who do we have in common and you know if we have a few people in common and it seems like you know their posts are, are interesting and a good fit i'll i'll add them to my circles but you know if they start putting a lot of stuff on google plus or if they start like spamming like just today i uh, you know a week or so ago i i started following someone and today they posted something about some sort of um I don't know, seminar that they were holding, da da It was clearly an advertisement. I just removed them from my circles. Um, I haven't actually had any any problems with excessive posting or spam from the people that I, you know, that I actually do know and do want to have in my circles. So. That's
2: where we differ. The problem is that it's tricky to someone who I see every day and talk to every day in person. It's hard to say, mm-hmm no, I don't want to be friends with you online because you're annoying there. And so I think the best, kind of the, the easiest thing for me to do in that case is to kind of give them a, put them in my circles and then just ignore anything they say online, which is what Google Plus lets you do fairly easily.
1: I will say that just like apparently as traffic goes, I've kind of, I've been paying quite a bit less attention to Google Plus, even I I, I really only go to it if somebody mention something and i go look it up or when i actually have a notification from the app which isn't really that frequent for me it's with with a lack of a client with the lack with the lack of anything except going to the website itself or opening the up the app on my iphone it's it's i I just don't have the engagement as i have with anything else because i don't have any of my my friends that i at least semi-regularly talk to on plus at all yet
2: yeah it's a similar problem for me
1: yeah,
0: I, I actually think, you know, your, your, your point about not having a native app is actually a pretty good one because I keep Twitter open constantly on my computer. And every, anytime I see the little star icon, I just, you know, go in there, boom, read the latest tweets. And it's kind of like a micro distraction. You know, it takes like 10 seconds, if that, you know, just to sort of, oh, something's there, read the latest stuff. Uh, so it makes it really easy just to constantly keep up. Um, there's there's nothing like that for the desktop. So I usually check Google Plus maybe twice a day or so, read a bunch of the posts. Another annoying thing about the website is that they sometimes a post that you've already read, especially if it's like a really popular post by someone like Robert Scoble or MG Siegel or something like that, constantly gets like pushed back to the top or, mm-hmm. or near the top. So what I you know what I like to do when I'm reading like Twitter or heaven forbid Facebook uh, is I basically just start reading at the top and I just stop reading once I recognize that I've read something before but you can't do that with Google Plus because even if you read something the stuff underneath it could still be stuff that you haven't read so that's kind of annoying and the iPhone app is just kind of terrible Google just does not make good iPhone apps at all.
1: Yeah, that definitely hasn't helped.
2: I think the mobile web app is pretty nice. I've been using that on my not iOS mobile device and it's been nice enough I think
1: the mobile web style that I'm assuming you use on your nook yeah. yeah I don't know if I actually ever went to the website before the app existed on my iPhone, so I'm not sure I could really say if it's any similar or dissimilar to the actual app itself
0: i did it's actually it's it's actually pretty good I mean as we, as web apps go as mobile web apps go, Google makes the best mobile web apps as actual native mobile apps go at least on the iphone they make some of the worst the android apps are pretty good because you know they they built that platform but
1: they 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 bought that platform <laughs> and then evolved it let's just just okay anyway all right all right
0: <laughs> yeah and i the uh the regular google app you know the one where you can speak into it or, or whatever that's actually that's that's pretty good yeah but i mean you're the google voice app the, i mean the google plus app the oh what else is there Latitude
1: that closes whenever it sleeps, whenever you hit the lock screen.
0: Oh, yeah, that's annoying. But, like, you know, the Google Plus app, like, you know, if, if I get a direct message on Twitter or someone at, at replies to me on Twitter, boom, my phone, ding, ding, you know, instantly I see notification, and I go to Twitter, and it's right there. With the Google Plus, there's... Maybe it's a setting, I don't know, but there's, like, no notification. Uh, event, sometimes I'll I'll open it up, and I'll see a little, you know, the icon, you know, the badge icon, so I tap on it, and then I go to the main screen. It's, like, zero notifications, so I was like, "Huh, that's yeah, weird." Yeah, it,
1: it takes a minute to actually refresh, and sometimes I've had to kind of force it along by hitting the stream icon and then swiping it down, doing the uh, the pull from top to bottom to refresh. And it, it it's more reliable if you just give it a little bit of patience. But the fact that you have to wait at all, yeah, that that's kind of frustrating.
0: Just a little <laughs> patience, yeah.
1: It's my Axl Rose right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, not not knowing it personally and i think nathan's too young so <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> it's a guns and roses song
1: yeah i i know i knew the name but okay
0: <laughs> all right well i think that's probably enough about google plus it's you know it's a very fast growing service uh apparently they're already at what like 25 million people or something it's pretty crazy
1: they have a good foundation they just need to grow it somewhere Somewhere significantly better, but there are already leaps and bounds ahead of uh friend feed and buzz,
0: yeah, so yeah, I sort of want to turn the discussion over to lion now surprise yeah <laughs> well i just i want I wanted to give it the lion's share of this podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> pun number two <laughs> thank you, Kyle
0: oh, what was the one I made earlier in the chat today um Oh, steam. steam steam yes
1: <laughs> would you say you're steamed oh. cuz
0: you guys are saying you were mad as steam <laughs> oh
2: yeah so lion
0: yes yeah so uh we all have it now and more importantly we can all talk about it mm. i like it actually I sort of heard a lot of people, you know, John Siracusa, uh, Andy Anako saying that the invisible scroll bars are the absolute worst thing that ever happened in, in user interface design since
1: ever. (laughs) Uh. Since the, since the windowed manager. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have to say, you know, once I get used to it, it's it's actually not really a problem. Uh, I mean, there are edge cases where there is something more to display and, and because it's sort of on an even boundary that you don't really notice it. But typically, if you're paying attention when the window pops up or when you scroll to a specific area of the page, you'll see those scroll bars flash. It'll let you know that there's more there.
1: You know, I think what the big difference with them is in their own use case is the fact that they have to produce content to the extent that they do. Uh, You know, Syracuse and Andy Notco both being writers by trade, that they have very specific... They have very specific thoughts on what a certain amount of content is, be it a word count for an article or what have you. But ever since I've been doing this, the scroll bar is completely and totally irrelevant to me. And I know that I can glance over at the side of my screen whenever I'm scrolling to see where I am, but it's just... With what I've been reading, and that obviously includes things as large as web pages, it's just not a big deal to me. Uh, when I'm at I'm at the bottom of the document, whenever the web page turns into advertising garbage, or whenever there's a very whenever there's a footer which looks very different from the rest of the web page. But otherwise, I don't know. I haven't had this. Where's my place in this document? Oh God, I can't
2: figure it out. Reflex. Here's my experience with a mouse with a scroll wheel. It's been kind of annoying, especially since when I'm scrolling, it's click click click, so it's really sporadically flashing on and off, and that gets annoying. So I turned on I turned on visible scroll bars for my mouse so that it is always there. But then on my laptop with a trackpad with the two finger scroll, it's been fine. I like it with the auto hiding thing. I haven't been I haven't had a problem with it there.
1: The scrolling is a lot more atomic with an actual with a real defined wheel. Yeah. Interesting. So, because since since Lion, I've been using a Magic Mouse, which I've actually pretty much stopped using in lieu of a trackpad that we have, a Magic Trackpad that we have that we haven't been using very often. I brought it into work, and I've been using it the whole time when I'm at my you know generally more desktop geared setup, and then when I'm at home, this being a laptop, of course, I have the trackpad built in. That's really interesting. I'm I now that you mention it, I've been without a standard wheel mouse for oh, I don't even know. I mean, this is even before the Mighty Mouse I'm talking about, uh, that I've used one.
0: Yeah, a, a fresh install of Lion. I know, you know Nathan, you had the, the developer stuff, so maybe you had some sort of residual settings from that. But the default settings for Lion, if you plug in a regular mouse, it will it will keep the scroll bars visible at all times. Oh, if you only, all right, so that. Yeah, if you only have a trackpad, then they'll, they'll appear and disappear as needed. Okay, well, that's so, cool. I think that's the right yeah.
2: decision on Apple's part. I didn't know yeah. that was...
0: What do you guys think about this, the uh, the scroll direction reverse? I turned it <laughs> off again
2: for my for my wheel mouse. I turned it off for my trackpad. I could go either way. It, I don't know.
1: I'm pretty used to it, and I think that's being predisposed with iOS, and of course using a trackpad.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it took a little while to get used to it, but now now I'm fine. Occasionally, I'll scroll the wrong direction, um, especially like you know if I'm using like Windows in a VM or something like that. It's part of my brain is like, oh windows or whatever. Gotta scroll this direction, so I gotta, I gotta catch myself. But by and large, I mean, I, I, I'm just fine with the r- inverted scroll direction, and also I'm, I'm, I'm fine on a mouse. Um, I have a an MX Revolution that has a scroll wheel, and I just got used to the inverted direction, and I don't know. I mean, for people that don't like to change, you know, if you're old, if you're like 50, and, <laughs> you know, you're set in your ways, it might be a bit of a problem for you, but if you're young, you'll... You'll just deal with it. You know, it's fine. You know, mm-hmm. things change all the time.
2: One of the reasons I think I I switched it back for my wheel mouse was Photoshop, because that's where it really seems the wrongest for some reason. When I was trying it out, when I was trying to... Like, when I pan an image in Photoshop, you drag it around if you want. You hold down the space bar and get a hand tool and that sort of thing. But for whatever reason, using the mouse inverted seemed really wrong in Photoshop. I don't know why. I can't really explain that. But that's that was one of mm-hmm.
1: my... The wrongest is that your official technical level. It feels the wrongest. Yep. <laughs> and I don't want to. I don't really want to go on and on about it. Considering that the last time that I used an image editor to any serious extent was years ago. I have Pixelmator that I use for really short little one-offs, but it doesn't seem to be too much of a difference because you still have a canvas, and if you imagine it with you with the ability to touch the canvas and then move it with regard to the direction that you're actually hitting it again with a standard mouse a a standard wheel it's quite a bit different but in any other situation
2: i I, uh, I know which is why it kind of puzzles me especially since using the hand tool to pan around it is the natural direction because you're grabbing the content and moving it back and forth
1: but i didn't even think about that
2: yeah so i'm I, i that's why i'm puzzled by it but it I don't know, I should probably give it another chance before I before I write it off completely.
0: Yeah, a lot of people were saying that, you know, it's it's harder to get used to because it's not in the same plane. Like your screen's vertical, but you you know, you're you're doing all your gestures on a horizontal plane, mm-hmm. so your some something about part of your brain doesn't really recognize that those are actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're actually touching your iOS device, you know, you're actually controlling it directly i don't know
1: yeah that, that makes that makes a lot of sense there's a there's a much there's a great difference between physically moving a canvas and just moving it with a you know a representative interface yeah. but i'm um, i don't know. i do not know i'm one of the people that's happy with leaving it as is and it's and it makes sense to me and it's workable
2: whenever i go to a touchscreen device i immediately go the right way i mean i the the natural scrolling is automatic when I'm on a touchscreen device, and I guess I guess I should give it another shot on the desktop to see if I can get used to it. But
1: this is why it's a preference. Can't yep. really say much yep. more than that.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm just waiting, you know, for macOS 10.8 where they invert the direction of the mouse. <laughs> 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 so
1: up is down, left is right. <laughs> there've been there've been a couple instances where it has felt a little awkward that the up and down scrolling being reversed but the left and right not being has kind of triggered a weird a weird little i i I don't understand which way is going which kind of reflex um it's funny the only example that comes to mind right now is a video game that i've been playing recently with a camera direction but that's not at all the same thing but it it me being the person that i am i always invert the y-axis by default and so it was just kind of bizarre to 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 move it in a specific direction and have it feel have it feel out of place even though that's always what i do with respect to controls i don't know It's, it's something just really hard to put into words
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. The only time I've seen is this is a problem, the the horizontal being a different direction. And actually this might this was probably a combination of invisible scroll bars, but it was on I think a an a an ask different post where there was some code in the post and someone said someone commented that, hey, is this you know this is this a bug? I can't see the code, it's clipping off at the side. I said, Well, if you tried scrolling it, line hides the scroll bars. And so I, I guess in a, in certain circumstances it can be confusing until you really play around with it and come to expect it i don't know
0: yeah i definitely think there should be like a way for application developers and website developers to sort of override that like you know they know that you know this is something that people won't naturally understand is a scrollable area and therefore i want the scroll bars to be visible at all times i mean ideally you know it should be something that uh the default is that they're hidden but you know, in certain circumstances where it makes more sense for them to be visible that the developer can override that, that preference and, and make it visible.
2: Well, given the bajillion webkit vendor rules you can set, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if we see it before too long. <laughs>
0: what do, What do you guys think about the uh, other gestures?
2: I've never tried them because I have a, a, a non-multi-touch trackpad and a wheel mouse, so...
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I... Speaking in the past with gestures where you had to, I, I'm thinking basically a couple of years ago, like I tried out opera and they have very significant like shape drawing gestures for some of the more complex ones where you have to draw certain angles and whatnot. I These, all of the gestures here, because they take advantage of different amounts of finger space, uh, finger space, fingers. It's pretty easy. It's very, It's very light and airy and it's very easy to do.
0: Well, I mean, what do you think about like, do you use the gestures a lot? I mean, do you have a favorite gesture?
1: Uh, <laughs> um, single finger salute. No, sorry. Um, I know you like the Mission Control one. Uh, yeah, I. It's it, it, favorite by sheer use would be switching spaces. I actually have a little bit of a backstory with that too. When I was going through all the system preferences and seeing what what all had changed, I actually changed mission control space, uh, switching from three to four fingers, uh, which had to happen because they have an option for a three-finger window drag. But that created a ton of conflicts. Um, iCal will, will trap it, and the, the four-finger gesture will go to iCal to change pages, uh, which renders it completely worthless. And then you have to take your hand off the trackpad, put it on the keyboard to switch spaces, and Sparrow was the other big one. Four finger swipe in and out would change the message preview pane. And given at first it was just Sparrow, but as soon as I saw that iCal did that too, I just said, you know what, forget it. Let's just leave it at the default because this the this condition was obviously not accounted for. So favorite by sheer use is that I switch screen, I switch spaces uh, repeatedly because I full screen many 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 apps at all times.
0: I have to agree. A few days ago, I posted a video to the Ask Different chat. We'll link it in the show notes. Uh, and basically, what I did was I had I made three spaces. Uh, well, I had three spaces, I had two additional spaces, and what I did was I put a full screen Windows XP instance on one of the secondary spaces, and then I put a full screen Ubuntu instance on the other one, and so I basically demonstrated that I could swipe using three fingers between mac os 10 uh windows xp and ubuntu just seamlessly and
1: it was just it was one of those moments where you're like this is so cool i'm pulling (laughs) my computer to the left and now to the right now i'm on the other one and now i'm back i
0: mean you know you could always do this before i think i'm pretty sure where uh with the the way that spaces was in, in macOS 10 before but you had to have like a, a keyboard thing to switch between the two and what I what I really really like about these gestures and I don't know if I mentioned this before but I definitely thought it before you know when they actually announced them was I was like oh yeah I don't really like gestures I don't use gestures you know I'm not really excited about the gestures and one of the reasons why I don't really I didn't really like gestures in Snow Leopard and below was that in those versions a gesture was something that it was it was a binary thing. It was like, does the trackpad recognize this specific gesture or not? If so, it does the specific thing. And you know, you know, people would use it all the time. You know, going back and forth between websites and and stuff like that. But there was, if you use an iOS device, for example, and you're you know you've got your thumb and you're switching between the two two home screen pages, you know, you can pause halfway and. It just stays halfway between the two. Yeah, you can move making, it back and forth. Yeah,
1: I was making a really big deal about how weird it is to just have these desktops as they're as they're called for non-full screen apps. These desktop spaces, how just just how turnable how movable they are what I would do was when uh, when a coworker was wow you upgraded hey show me something new and cool what I would do is I would go all the way to the extremity either the last most full screen app or the first desktop and I would take the screen and I would swipe it halfway off to show them the the edge of two spaces or I would go in the other direction and there would just be this black chunk o- occupying the screen and it's not it's not like outlandish, but the fact that I just have three fingers on the trackpad, and this is actually a pretty cool little addition if nobody's noticed. If you start with three fingers on one side of the trackpad, as you swipe across, you can lift your finger, basically, when it runs out of space. And as long as one finger is still on the trackpad, you're locked in a three finger gesture. So, I was able to get the screen about halfway, the entire desktop, about halfway across into the void. And then I'm just sitting here, it's like, it's just... It's just nice that they do the same bouncing across the edge of a space that doesn't exist as they do when switching between normal spaces.
0: Yeah, and um, if you go into preview, you've got the same thing except uh, you know you got the two finger swipe between pages. I mean, first off, the combination of full screen in preview plus the plus having two pages up at the same time, plus the you know the two finger swipe between them that is is again it's like uh, it's like iBooks, it's like the the spaces thing where you are in control of exactly how far along that scroll is. It's just, it, it, I, I read, use that to read John Syracuse's line review and it was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, you know, gestures is one of those things that surprised me how, how nice it is. And I said on our, on our uh, WWDC podcast that I use an MX revolution and that I couldn't really see, any conceivable reason why lion would make me switch away from that and i I have to amend that i have to say you know yes definitely when i get the funds i will be getting a magic trackpad for my for my desktop ish setup where i hook it up to
1: a big monitor and a Mm -hmm. keyboard and
0: stuff like that because i i want to have those gestures Uh, they're they're very useful so
1: yeah, that, that's been a very common point. Is if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, and if you really want to take the plunge, get a Magic Trackpad because it's gonna be it's gonna give you the best experience, and really it does. And there's even been times where I've absolutely needed the precision that an actual mouse gives you. And since I have my Magic Mouse sitting in my bag, I just pulled it out, and they were both plugged in side by side. They were well, not plugged in side by side, but they were both sitting side by side. And since it's Bluetooth, it doesn't matter. I don't have to fumble with cables or any of that other nonsense.
0: Actually, one of the things I hate about the Magic Trackpad, and one of the things that has caused me not to get it until—well, I, I still don't have it—but is the fact that it is wireless. The fact that it is Bluetooth. I got a Bluetooth keyboard, and I—I I, I used to constantly like swap batteries out of that. it. was like you know, every month, gotta get three new double A's, and I, you know, I was just sick of it, and. I I greatly prefer my wired keyboard. It's much, it's it's larger. It has the uh you know the the number pad and and the thing in the middle. It has USB ports. It never runs out of battery. And um uh, the reason why you'd want a wireless mouse is because it moves around, the cord gets caught up, but that doesn't happen with a trackpad. It sits in the same spot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I really want a USB Magic Trackpad. That would be ideal, you know. Make it $50 instead of $80, you know. Same thing with their keyboards, and I think that Apple underestimates how many people would want something like that.
2: So you guys have been talking about your your uh, de- multiple desktops and full screen workflows, and it's clear to me that you guys never use more than one monitor at a time.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true.
2: <laughs> I always I always have two monitors open: my iMac monitor and my 24-inch Dell monitor right next to it you know, side by side they have the same resolution and really what would be beautiful for me is to be able to have two full screen apps open at a time one on each monitor and it, it works like that for desktops you have i've got four desktops set up per uh per monitor and you each monitor gets four different desktops that's you know and and they they switch uh Simultaneously, so if I switch to desktop three on the left monitor, the right monitor will also switch to desktop three and so I see no reason why they couldn't do the same for full screen apps and just allow them to be open simultaneously just on different monitors because they are treated as different desktops it's just that apple has has uh, written it such that the the full screen app moves to the main monitor and blacks out the other one mm-hmm. and I think that 's a shame because I would like to play around with it but I always have two monitors open and I'm always using things on both of them and so it really would kill my uh my workflow to to only be able to use one at a time.
0: They should also have like a separate uh, menu bar for each and maybe even a separate dock.
2: Yeah, that's been I I've been wanting that for a while and I actually installed a nifty little uh utility called second bar that puts a little fake menu bar on the the other monitor but it doesn't have any of your menu bar extras on the right, and it doesn't have, like, the interactive help menu, and sometimes it doesn't work, and I I don't know, I had some other problems with it, so I, I ditched it eventually, and I've been, I sometimes use another cool thing called um, Deja Menu, where you hit a keyboard shortcut and get a little, you get your menu bar under your mouse. It's like a little context menu. Hmm. Both workarounds for...
1: Yeah, I know I've read something about full screen being kind of manageable in Photoshop uh Photoshop-esque applications where you can have pretty much just unload all of your toolbars that you wouldn't otherwise have room for and stick them over on the other screen. And I think we had this discussion in the context of full-screen Flash videos, like when you full-screen a YouTube video that you can't do anything else, even on your secondary screen, even though it's just sitting there looking pretty, because the moment you do, it exits out of full-screen in the Flash video and you're returned to just the standard uh, browser uh, browser setup as you had previously.
2: Actually, they fixed that. You can, can now. Yeah. And I, that's been great, actually. How many times have I, uh, you know, my brother walks in and wants to watch a video and I just put it up on the other monitor and keep working on my main one that's been good. And, uh, and,
1: one One of those things that I'm sure there'll be a solution for it down the road, or at least I sure hope so.
2: Flash beats Mac OS X. Get it, to, get it together, and, Apple.
1: In the meantime, I assume that this means that you're giving Divi a lot of love in the sense that if I, you want um, to take as mid, as much real estate as possible, you just pick one application, hit whatever shortcut you have bound for, maximize, hit it twice, put it on the second screen, yeah. pick another one, put it on the primary screen.
2: It's not even a shortcut. It's just a button on my keyboard.
1: Oh, that's a shortcut.
2: Well, one button. Well, I guess, <laughs> was, yeah, still a shortcut.
1: As, as opposed to my four, yeah. control alt command z is my uh is my maximize the current window uh divi global shortcut jason you said that
0: you've had some experience using snow leopard server at your work have you had a chance to look at lion server
1: i'm kind of (laughs) terrified because there's no i know it's just the fact that i haven't done the research yet but no we have not even approached the topic of lion server yet chiefly because lion server is an after the fact thing and it really just needs to be a transition thing and you're done but considering that everything is an extra i'm just not i i'm not even approaching that road yet i don't know what applications have changed i don't know what they may have fixed or uh, created new problems with but no wouldn't not go in there yet
0: apparently they got rid of mysql and replaced it
1: with postgres
0: uh
1: not not replaced both were always options but yeah they dropped mysql with the continuing sun oracle Patents, lawsuits, and legal drama.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a whole stupid situation. Um, I really, really wish that Mac OS X had ZFS, and they were going to do it. They were, you know, it even made it to the Apple's website, but you know, for some reason, it just never actually manifested itself. Kind
1: of, is... it's kind of interesting how much foresight that was, because as I recall, hearing they stripped ZFS solely for. Concerned legal reasons, and that was even before this whole Sun and Oracle debacle uh, debacle occurred.
0: I think that was around the time that Sun was bought by Oracle, Hmm. and I think that that was probably one of the reasons why Apple decided not to go with ZFS. But it's just, I'm not I'm not well equipped to speak on the topic. Um, John Syracuse goes into it in great detail in his Lion review. And then he does more on the, his his hypercritical podcast. We'll provide links in the show notes. but there's the big thing for me is data integrity. You do not realize people don't realize how, just how common errors are on hard drives, you know where stuff just does not get written completely correctly and z f s provides a mechanism for identifying errors. And if you have, uh, like, the RAID-Z stuff, it provides a mechanism for repairing the errors. But, uh, gosh, I mean, I have a 2 terabyte external hard drive, and that file system has gone around the block a lot of times. And I really, I I can't be sure with any uh, certainty of all the files on that hard drive. And, I mean, there's just too many for me to even, like, manually look at. Um, I mean, you know, bit errors in, in like images and movies and stuff, you know, don't really cause too much of a problem. Like for me, I have like 10,000 photos. If I miss, if I lose one photo, I'm not really that torn up about it, but it it, it can also occur at other levels where, you know, you could, you could conceivably lose documents and, and, and stuff like that that you, that you really want to keep and you know backups are not a solution to this because you'll you'll back up the corrupt data and you know your system doesn't even know and then you know when you go to re, you know retrieve the file you'll discover that you know, it was actually had been corrupted two years ago and that's as far as your backups go and <laughs> so it's just not not a good situation
1: I think in that case versions is there to save the day of course backups at versions is like hey give me 20 terabytes of hard drive space oh wait it's full
0: no, no uh, versions. Uh, versions in macOS ten operates under the assumption that everything written to the hard drive, you know, and then you read it later, it's the same stuff that you get back. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it 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 does not do any checking or, or anything like that. So I mean, actually, yeah, it, it, with the versions thing, if you get if you get a corruption in your actual versions database, you could conceivably lose you know not only the the current version but everything. You know in, in in your in your all the versions of your file, so it 's one of those things where you really hope that uh, operating system manufacturers are looking at ways to solve this problem and will be pushing out solutions fairly soon
1: mm-hmm. speaking of versions, um, the two big burning questions that i 've had but never really looked up are. Have for uh, initially have either of you really had a uh, an application that makes compelling use of it that isn't iWork or I think TextEdit might do it too. Yeah, TextEdit does. Nope, not yet.
0: I've never I've never actually used it. I don't even I don't actually have iWork installed yet. It's a, it's on my list of things I have to do, but <laughs> I haven't had need for it quite yet. So,
1: and I I haven't even touched iWork online yet. So I I have seen the pictures and whatnot, but no, I've not used. Uh, I have not used versions one bit um, and the second question being do we actually know what the technical back end of versions is is it common source control or is it something proprietary
0: I think I, th- I think in John Siracuse's, um review he mentions that it's a SQLite database SQLite interesting yeah Apple uses it everywhere um, it's basically part of their core storage stuff but yeah um I mean, there's nothing nothing against SQLite. SQLite's actually a really, really solid piece of software. Yeah, you
1: know? it's just kind of I'm I, I, I I'm basically throwing out a l- indirect reference of the fact that Xcode three two or some iteration of the three line debuted built in SVN management and Xcode four debuted SVN and Git and I think Git is loosely li- uh, no 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 it's GPL two because there was a big uh, there was big talk about that when version three came out. It's just it's just weird to have something like a database manage this kind of thing when there are sophisticated version control you, uh, systems that they could build on top of to actually make this compelling product. But then again, since it's, I'm sure, derived very highly off Time Machine, it would also be a victim of whatever was set up for that.
0: Aren't most version control systems really designed for like text documents and that they don't really do that well with... Uh Like
1: binary blobs? I don't think that's too much of the case anymore. I mean, there's a hard, it's hard to represent binary in anything other than the raw form, so it's not like you can have an easy, you know, diff output as opposed to source code. But they, but I believe at least a couple of modern ones, like perhaps um, Mercurial, Monotone, I don't remember what Git stance is on this, but they're pretty smart in doing binary deltas. I mean that's what that's what Sparkles built on. That's what Firefox has been using for ages. We're we're in a time when it shouldn't be an issue anymore.
0: All right. Well, maybe it's something that they could have used instead. Uh, maybe maybe there are licensing things around it. I mean, it, one of the great things about SQLite is that it's it's free and it's not like you know capital F free like Richard Stallman likes to pretend like his <laughs> GPL stuff is. It's actually like. You know, public domain. You can take that code literally, literally do whatever you want with it. You know, you can build a, a a component, sell it for profit, and never have to release the source. It's it it is what you would think of when someone says, "Oh yeah, it's free software." I mean, it it is it is absolutely, truly, hundred percent free. And I think that's one of the reasons why Apple likes it so much. They can just take it and do what they want
1: with it. I'm really curious to go dive around those backend files if they're at all accessible because. I there's been the news about people who have already corrupted their launchpad screen, speaking of which I haven't even touched launchpad in like over a week um, <laughs> there, there's already been tips that have been flying around about how to reset your launchpad database when something occurs to corrupt it uh, so it'd be really interesting to find where these files are stored and really go see how they're actually structuring it yeah, but that's just the geek in me talking of course
2: so another part I've been playing around a lot with this, the uh the recovery partition and Apple's new uh, system for installation and restores and that sort of thing. I think uh, I think ultimately it's it's kind of scary to me at first, anyway. But to know that I have two computers that both have uh, not solid state hard disks and that will crash eventually, and that both of my machines are not new enough to automatically download the operating system if it dies, and so I guess. If, uh, if something were to happen, my option would be to take it to the Apple Store and let them fix it, or burn a DVD of the installer and use that myself, which is what I've done.
0: You could always install Snow Leopard and then install Blech. Lion. Blech. But yeah. I
2: shouldn't have Why? to. No, <laughs> yeah, the point is well, I, so, I shouldn't have it, to. And what if I buy a new computer that doesn't have the Snow Leopard disk?
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, the new computers that are sold now don't come with any restore media. Yeah. You have to, like it up to the internet and let yeah. it do a multi gigabyte download which is just which is just stupid I mean they are selling I think the USB sticks or something like that for like 70 bucks starting in August right. so this month <laughs> um, <laughs> in the Apple stores that do align with stores but I imagine that those would probably are, are more limited to older hardware and that you know if you if you want to do a, a fresh reinstall on you know a piece of hardware that you buy right now like one of those new Macbook airs or the new um, Mac mini that you're really, your only option is to do a multi gigabyte download, which is, I mean, some people really don't have the bandwidth for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Again, you do have the option to make your own uh, USB installer uh, or DVD installer. But again, that's, uh, some... that's not really supported. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's not it's not supported. Apple... It's a little bit of light hacking, just opening up a package and, and I
0: never, I never got that to work. I tried restoring it to uh, a USB uh, stick that I had. I could not. I mean, m- when I when I booted up my MacBook Pro with it, um, you know, it went, went to the Lion thing, da 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 da, and it gave some sort of error. Hmm. And I was, like, could it. not. Ins-
2: I know, I've got it on a DVD. I can boot to okay, but I don't. Yeah. And again, people have people have posted nasty stories about. I tried to migrate my data, or reinstall the operating system, or something, and i it just left me with a kernel panic after it had gone through its, yeah. Yeah, it yeah scary stuff and i I kind of feel like it's not something we should really have to deal with or have to buy a seventy dollar u s b stick to deal with
1: yeah this he- process that there there is very high potential for a ridiculously simple utility that lets us create a you know a standalone uh, stand media of the of the installer that we can use down the road.
0: Uh, okay, so our question of the week this week is, what tiny thing in Lion makes you smile or has caught you off guard? And this is a, our question of the week for a few reasons. I mean, first off, the topicality of Lion in this podcast. But second, I posted this on Reddit a few days ago. And... In the Apple subreddit, and I I thought you know it was pretty neat, and you know it's suddenly got like a few people looking at it, a few people upvoting it, adding their own answers in the Reddit comments, and then all of a sudden, a lot more people started looking at it, upvoting it, going to the the Ask Different site, and a lot more, and a lot more, and someone, you know, the next day posted it on Hacker News, it got a lot of views there. Uh, right now, the question actually has been viewed 30,000 times, just over 30,000 times, which is just incredible. Uh, so it was asked on uh, July 20th by B. Mike, 79 answers. And I have to say, well, first off, you know, uh, B. Mike has done a phenomenal job going through these answers, um, cleaning them up, making sure that they're formatted correctly. So we just want to thank him for that. I'm. I'm, I'm glad he's he's around to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, there are some real real gems in here. You know, finder merging of folders and files, accessing the accented characters. Uh, you know, if you if you've found something in Lion that uh, you know has made you smile or caught you off guard, put it right in here.
2: But check for duplicates.
0: Yes, exactly. If if your thing is already in there, and I mean, with 79 answers, there's a good chance that it already is. Uh, we reserve the right to <laughs> just delete it because I mean we can't we can't have duplicates. Uh, I posted one actually. I plugged in my I have a USB modem. Apple initially came out with the USB modem in two thousand five, two thousand six, something like that. Uh, when they actually took the USB modem out physically out of the Mac Mini and the iMac, and I think I think there was also one in the Power Mac as well, um, and. They kept it around until 2009 when they actually discontinued the device, uh, but it still worked in Snow Leopard, and unfortunately, I plugged it into my MacBook Pro. I got a little box that popped up. Boop. And this device is not compatible with this computer or something. I don't know. Uh, I put a screenshot of the uh, <laughs> of the error in the tiny thing in, in line. makes you it caught you off guard, rather. It's just a little annoying. It, well i in my post, I said it did not make me smile, but it did catch me off guard yeah. um, i I have to say you know Mac OS Ten has historically had like the best support for faxes and modems in for for any operating system ever, and it was you know it was one of those little things that you know you say well you know this this is one of those things that really shows their attention to detail and and, and stuff like that. And uh, now now they've sort of abandoned it, which is really annoying. I mean, you, you could set it up so that, you know, you hook it up to a phone line. And whenever you get a fax, you know, it, your computer will then receive that fax into a PDF, then email it to you. Or you could have it set up so, you know, you could just stick it right in your Dropbox folder. And it would just be Dropbox synced to you automatically. It's just, it was just an incredibly useful feature that, uh, uh, unfortunately, is not there anymore. This makes me sad and those 64 bit modems here exactly yeah cuz the drivers 32 bit um i'm sure they could have made a 64 bit driver for it but <laughs> n- i guess it wasn't a priority i mean it's you know that it's been discontinued for 2 years so maybe they thought it was time for it to die but you know i just wanted to have a small memorial service for the uh, the USB modem before it goes off into the night
1: and there it goes my one that I stumbled across today, just kind of checking the new ad, uh, checking the new additions to that same question, is actually the fact that in Mission Control you don't necessarily have to actually change the space. I always liked spaces and the ability to preview your whole computer, but it was always a little bit too small to be at all meaningful. But Mission Control is pretty much perfectly. Me being a terminal person, I have a couple of full-screen terminal spaces. And then, obviously, there's a desktop space with whatever's going on and everything else. And if I'm on the desktop space, I activate mission control. I have full insight on what every single full-screen application is doing, which is being updated in real time. And then I can see all the windows on my desktop space. It was really, really surreal to have... A couple of file transfers going in the terminal, backups in another one, so more file progress being listed repeatedly. And then being on my desktop space, I. Oh, what did I have open? I was streaming uh, Twit Live uh, probably this week in Google earlier today. Uh, the cur- the web page and the current tab in Chrome, and then something else (laughs) it was it was just very interesting to have admittedly i have a fairly large screen i have a 17 17 inch macbook pro but to be able to see the progress enough of the progress of all of these things at the same time was it it was it was awesome it was like the best the best overall view of anything i've ever seen in a computer because the difference is a lot of times like things uh, a lot of video applications don't run unless it's you know in its normal state on the normal screen and nothing else in the past often speaking when you have something that scales like that the video just goes black and it doesn't matter anymore but the fact that every single application was running normally was showing everything it was doing at at the level that it was scaled down to was just it was it was really cool to look at
2: mm-hmm. continuing the terminal theme someone actually on the Reddit thread posted this th- first and then at Kyle's suggestion added it to the uh, Ask Different post. You can, in terminal, right-click on a command and get a, a um, auto-sized window for the man page, which is pretty nice. And it gives it, I think, I forget what the name of the, the visual theme is, but it makes it kind of like the iBooks, sepia, uh, like something-to-be-reading
1: page. What? Yeah. You're kidding me. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> How did I not see this yet?
2: I don't know. I think it's really cool, though. And, and it's,
1: yeah. a, it's a popover man page.
2: Yeah. well,
0: yeah, it's it's a new terminal window.
1: It's a new new terminal window,
0: and I think the theme is actually called Man Page or something, oh, like, yeah. that. It's, mm. yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, something like that. Holy you just crap! <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: The thing that the little the little shoulder case, uh, shoulder case, the little edge case for that for me that's kind of unfortunate is that I always run my terminals full screen. Something like that would be perfect because I have left half and right half divi shortcuts. If I can stop full screening terminal so much then to be able to do something like that and within 2 seconds have a easily referenceable man page and an easy you know access to what i was actually doing in the terminal it's strange that they would do it in that they would do it in the terminal instead of opening something like the little dictionary popover because then you can scroll freely and uh, actually scroll with a mouse for that matter that you could actually Render render the the man page format into something that could be viewed independently. Uh, that that just seems like it'd be a lot easier to reference that way.
2: Yeah, if I mean, I assume they could modify the little popover. But if they did use just the stock dictionary one, I think it'd be pretty small. A lot of um, mm. annoying wrapping and stuff. But they could probably make it bigger.
1: Totally um, making that the first thing I'm trying after this recording. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's also a, few, a little a few other things in terms of site news. Um so this week Ask Different is now the RSS sponsor for Daring Fireball. It it is it is our Ask Different. I know on the site it says Ask Different without a space between the Ask and the Different, but
1: <laughs>
0: for some for some reason, it, you know, it was communicated to him that uh it did not have a space. I'm I'm kind of annoyed about that, but
2: uh Well, the link goes to us, and that's what's really. Yeah, it does.
0: It does. That's fine. Yeah, at least at least it was. You know, Ask Different, not Apple Stack Exchange, which it was probably very close to being (laughs) in danger of having that. Yeah, I I've been on a push for some time to actually officially get Ask Different, Ask Space Different. You know, be our official name everywhere because there's a lot of sort of ambiguity about well. You know, a lot of people, you know, say Apple. Se, especially a lot of the older sort of veterans and stuff. I think even Joel Spolsky says Apple or Apple. but yeah, I'd really, I'd really like to see a consistent branding for our site, <clears throat> mobile theme. Yeah, yeah. You go to the mobile theme, and it says theme, it says Apple at the top.
2: At it's yeah. just got the logo.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were all part of the Apple elections.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised uh,
2: they don't I'm I'm surprised they didn't immediately change it to ask different for fear of some kind of a copyright thing with Apple. I don't know.
0: Well, I that that was the, one of the reasons why you know our our site was never officially like Apple, like it wasn't launched as Apple Stack Exchange. Right. Um, you know, we 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 chose our own names specifically because you know, if we had just called ourselves Apple, that might have caused some controversy, but I think if we're go- if we're going to if we're going to change the logo, if we're going to change you know that why not just change everything i mean you go to any link on apple uh, on, on ask different rather uh, and you <laughs> and you get and you get apple stack exchange at the top of the uh of the of the title bar so it's uh, oh well that's a little pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, definitely a- ask different is, is the daring fireball sponsor. Hopefully that will bring in some traffic. Um, it was tweeted a few days ago. Um, we did, we did see some traffic, but we are also at the same time, sort of still riding the high of the Reddit and ask different uh, Reddit and hacker news, hacker news,
1: uh, <laughs> uh publicity with the, with the, uh, lion questions. So, and Lion's release in general keeping us pretty afloat in the charts.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we're now, I mean, if you go to the stackexchange.com site and you go to like um, all the, you, there's a link up there that says like all the sites or something like that, and you sort it of by traffic, we're actually right below programmers in traffic. And we, you know, it's, we're like 14K visits per day uh, meeting over the last two weeks, which is just phenomenal. Uh, we've, you know, historically we've been between five and seven for the past few months so being up to 14 is just amazing i'm i i hope that uh, at least some of those people continue to stick around and stay and i think you know d- due to the increased activity and ask different chat and you know the increased number of questions being asked and answered that i think i think we we definitely have some new mem- new members here to stay so i'm
2: really excited about that and in kind of in that uh, push to keep new users to stay. We've been assigned a chaos editor to ask different to clean us up a little and make it more more inviting for a new user to come by.
0: And yeah, her name is Abby Miller. So mm-hmm. if you see her editing questions and fixing up titles, and you know that's 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 sort of what she's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, if you want to just say hi, you can just pop into the Ask Different chat. She's usually there. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we'll have her for, well, I think she said that it was probably going to be about a month or so. So she's been with us about a week, a little less than a week. So I'd say we got another at least three weeks of of her constant and undivided attention. <laughs> uh, she's she's actually asked a question about time machine. If anyone knows uh, about the, you know, getting a time machine to connect to an ex, you know, uh, another network, uh, feel free to chime in and answer for that.
1: Any quick last wrap-ups of applications that you guys have, uh rather any applications that have been updated to significantly take advantage of Lion
2: features that you like? Well, Coda, not yet. They promised one, and I'm really, really, really looking forward to it with autosave and versions and Resume especially. Coda's already got some kind of a resume element built in with sites where you can define a site and it'll automatically remember what you had open, which is great. But I hate having to go to the sites pane, select the site and then go back to what I was working on. It would be great. yeah. If nothing else,
1: be, resume and whatnot should make that process a lot faster. Yeah.
2: And I guess auto not so much because I save so frequently to see, um, <laughs> CSS updates and stuff, but, uh, versions would be great. I think. And come on panic. Let's go. You guys are awesome. Uh, <laughs> get that update out and then Apple hurry up and approve it. I bought it on the App Store. I I already waited a long time for you guys to approve the Lion update for uh, for Coda. So don't test me this time. <laughs> Let's get that update through, all right? All right, Apple. <laughs> Kyle, um, anything exciting?
0: Well, um it's not it's not line specific, but um I am I am really really liking the new BB Edit 10. Uh they slashed the price down to it's i think it's down to like 40 dollars right now it's like 40 dollars until october when it goes up to like 50 or something like that but it's 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 really really solid i i really really like it one of the things i always used to do in textmate was you know i, I would be in the terminal you know and i'd be uh, type mate space and then the directory i'd want to open because you know i just keep everything in directories i i wouldn't use really use the concept of a TextMate project but you know it would do the right thing it would just open it up uh the the folder and in, in a sort of left-hand column and i could select the files that i wanted to edit well baby edit does the same thing and it's just it's really really it's a really really nice nicely designed uh column for the projects you know it has like little uh triangles and stuff that indicate whether or not, not triangles um Diamonds that indicate uh, whether or not a file's been open, whether or not a file's been has changes that have been made that need to be saved. It already has has had the the concept of a like a, a fast resume and and stuff like that uh, built in. Uh, hopefully, they'll integrate the, the Lion's version once you know once they finally get around to integrating that. But yeah, it's just um, I'm I'm kind of over. Tabs like in a horizontal bar on the top. You know, I, now my thing is sort of tabs like in a vertical column next to the material and bbedit edit that's basically how they how they handle it. I mean there are no verti- the, you know no tabs on a horizontal bar. Everything's just, you know, you got your files open on on a vertical on the vertical bar. You've got, you know, you recently opened files and um just stuff like that. I know it's hard to describe. I'm, I'm just sort of going off of my memory. But uh, yeah, the one thing that kind of annoyed me was um, in BB Edit 9, I was playing around with um, non-anti-aliased Monaco. And you know, I discovered, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really neat way to get very crisp letters on the screen. And, and if you keep the, the, the font small, then you can actually get a lot of stuff on the screen. For some reason, um, the non anti alias fonts in BBEdit at ten—I don't know—they've taken a step back from BBEdit at nine. I don't know; uh, they just don't look right. Hopefully, it's just a small bug that they'll be able to fix. But uh, other than that, i you know—it's now on my 2 buy list.
1: Uh, text editors are exciting. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Um, mine's kind of interesting, and it's something that I've been—I've uh, been very interested in for some time. There was a post-only Twitter client called REN, W-R-E-N, that came out on the App Store about a month ago, maybe a little bit less than that. Uh, I believe it's $3, which is kind of interesting for such a limited Twitter client, but frankly, it's gorgeous. I've talked about before how I can't even pay attention to Twitter anymore. That's my own fault. I just follow way too much noise-generating nonsense, but REN goes full screen. And it takes up maybe not even half of the full-screen space. And it's very clean. You get a little paper representative. Oh, what's the what's the term for that? Is it skeuomorphic that was being thrown around? For, like the new yes. iPad and whatnot? Yeah Rin, yeah, Rin is very skeuomorphic. It has a, a drawer type of interface for saving your drafts. And then you just write on this pad of paper. And it's ridiculously clean. It looks ridiculously attractive. The text has a... I don't even know what font it is. It's just gorgeous. I would like the ability to do more like adding media, uh, adding pictures and whatnot. I hit that limitation today. But for 90% of the time when you're just typing something up and getting it out, you have a text field, you have a uh, URL shortener button, you have your icon. You do have your last post, but that's the only information you get back from Twitter. Uh, optionally, up to three drafts, no more than that. You type up what you're doing, and you click send, and it's just that easy. For someone like me who loves and adores and uses Q Status all the time on his iPhone, Rin found a home in my uh, found a home in my dock and a dedicated full screen space very, very quickly.
2: One more app I think I feel like I have to mention because it's been such a big part of my uh, computer life for the last few days is uh, Spotify, which was just recently made available for the U.S. and it's. At this point, it's unlimited, but that's an introductory thing that'll go away. Uh, you'll have to buy a fancy account to get unlimited, but its I, I really like it. And not so much for the app itself, but for the service it provides, which is unlimited free music. And i iTunes has gone away. Google, Google Music has gone away. LastFM <laughs> has gone away. Pandora has gone away. It's all Spotify now.
1: Yeah, whenever we have music discussions, Spotify's been a great reference. Just, hey, have you heard this band? Nope. Pull them up. Okay, now I have. Yeah. Not a not a perfect catalogue, but nothing will be, but I've been very hard pressed to find things that I uh that I know of as, you know, niche.
0: Yeah. I yeah uh, I don't really like the the concept of Spotify, um which is, you know, not so much I provide them my music and then they provide me ways of accessing it, like Google Music and Amazon. It's more like they have music, and I I play what they have, which is kind of limiting.
2: But they um, have almost everything.
0: Well, you know, they don't have the, my grandfather's rendition of Danny Boy that I have in my <laughs> iTunes. That's true. They do not have that. When they have that, when they steal it off my hard drive and offer <laughs> it for the world to, to to listen to, then maybe I'll switch. But uh, It's it's one of those things where, like, any music service cannot possibly hope to have everything that I want to listen to because, I mean, it's just not possible. And I think that it, it, it's, you know, if something's going to want to truly replace my iTunes, then it's going to have to be able to take input from me. Otherwise, I'm going to have to run the two in conjunction and I don't, you know, it adds cognitive overload and mental da 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 you know, just to switch between the two. Like, I'm already... Eh, I, I downloaded um, Instacast a while ago so I could listen to podcasts, so I could download them over 3G on my iPhone. But I've I've constantly found myself, you know, in, in lots of situations where I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'd really, I'd like to be able to listen to my podcast on my Mac, but I can't because they're all on my iPhone. And I mean, I could listen to the same podcast on my Mac, but then, you know, it wouldn't know what position I was at. Um, it wouldn't know what stuff I'd listen to. It, it wouldn't talk back to my iPhone and tell, oh yeah, well he finished listening to this, so I don't even bother. But it's just it's one of those things where like, you know, it, it's it's added cognitive overload and I wish I could consolidate it. I mean if if tomorrow Apple released an update that, that allowed me to pull down podcasts without having to connect to Wi Fi, I'd delete Instacast. Um, I'm just like that. I mean I'm all into simplification, and Spotify is not really—it's not something that will let me do that.
2: Well, this doesn't help with the podcast, but with the Spotify app, you do get access to your your iTunes library and everything from the Spotify app, and it's all integrated. You just search for something, and it'll pull up results from their catalog and from your iTunes and stuff. So it's for music, you don't really have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, but then you know, I don't know—they've got their whole premium thing anyway. That. Uh like you can't even do anything on the iPhone app unless you pay the money which yeah, is kind of stupid. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I haven't tried out their fr- their their free their premium stuff. Um but uh, yeah, it is kind of annoying that uh, like for example, if I had something in my iTunes library, and I don't want to listen to it all on my iPhone, but I didn't have it synced over, you know, it won't be in Spotify. Da, 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 da. <laughs> maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm old, one of those old complaining grumpy people that i made fun of earlier in the show
2: (laughs) i mean that to me that is a downside but it's nowhere near undoing the the giant upside of having anything i want to listen to without having to buy it oh wait no no you already went against (laughs) that never mind
1: everybody has their curmudgeon topics about something and yours yours is a music library mine's not so much especially because of uh the vast amount of new things that i've been learning and getting into lately
0: I've been sort of thinking about like a digital pack rat episode for a while. I think maybe, maybe next episode we could sort of talk about that because, you know, I, on the one hand, I, I like to sort of simplify and, you know, not store the things I don't have to store. But at the same time, I kind of like having everything at my fingertips and not having to go through the third party services that, you know, potentially want your money or have, changing terms of service or you know you can only access them on sundays in march you (laughs) know
2: or go out of business suddenly
0: yeah exactly yeah um yeah it's one of those things where you know it's a whole show topic and we will talk about it at some point but i think it's just it's just safer to to you know keep everything locally to have everything you know at least, at least to have a primary copy locally, you know? Cause like, I mean, I might upload all my photos to Google's Picasso or whatever other photo services there are, but I'm not going to delete the photos off my hard drive. I don't trust Google enough for that. <laughs> and you shouldn't because I've tried their takeout service and they don't give you all your photos and the photos that you do get are not in the full resolution. So it's just, that's another episode. Um, All right, this has been the Ask Different podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at net. Thanks for listening.